Welcome to Lamb of God Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right. First of all, before I forget, I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day. You know, it's, yeah, thanks. And uh, appreciate all the dads that are either watching or are here present. And we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for how you've, uh, you serve and you lay down your life. Uh, for your families, and then we thank the dads, our dads, um, for what they've done for us. Some may be uh, not living anymore, but we're thankful to the Lord for them and what they've, how they sacrificed for us as well and loved us. And uh, so congratulations to your dads. We appreciate everybody. And um, today we're going to talk a little bit about hearing God, and uh, really my official title is Prayer is Hearing God. Okay. We've seen a lot of turmoil in our country this week, to say the least. You know, um, I was thinking uh, Wednesday night when we were at prayer. Let's see, um, see if I can remember everything. 1916-1918 was a pandemic for influenza. Okay. Then there was the Great Depression in 1929. It lasted into the 30s, almost to World War II. Okay. And then 68, they were, was racial unrest, and cities were burned, even bigger than what we've seen in the last few weeks, uh, Detroit, uh, Watts in Los Angeles, uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, of course, we're in the middle of election year. Uh, then we had an impeachment attempt, just like in the 90s. So, and then... Um, uh, we've had, of course, uh, social unrest, like we saw a lot in the, the old enough in the 60s with uh, Vietnam uh, protests and so forth. Think about all those things and all those things that's happened over all those years. And we've experienced those things, all those things in the last six months. You know, we've seen um, uh, 41 million people unemployed is what the last number I saw last week. All right. Um, we're in an election year, we attempted impeachment, we've had uh, racial unrest, protests, so forth, uh, mob rule in some cases. So in the midst of all this change, the, really the, the, the temptation is to become fearful. Temptation would be to uh, feel let down, like I feel let down by conservatives on the Supreme Court from Monday's ruling. Okay, uh, but what we're doing is the Lord's allowing us as a, a culture to be shaken. We put our trust often in a president who we think will fix things, and oftentimes in situations like now, there's not a lot he can do. There's not a lot of laws. There's not a lot he can do in Seattle because of the way we're in we're a federalist country, and so you have mayors and governors and. There are issues involved. We put our trust in the Supreme Court. We are all excited and maybe trying to get conservatives on the Supreme Court. I think there's so many over 200 conservative judges appointed. And then one of the ones that was supposed to be the best really let us down Monday with their ruling. Uh, and the Lord's allowing all these things in our culture, just basic beliefs and freedom and dignity, to be shaken. Hebrews 12 tells us that he allows those things to be shaken so that what is godly will remain. 
So in other words, his kingdom, it mentions in Hebrews 12, his kingdom will not be shaken there at the end of Hebrews 12. So the Lord's allowing all these things in our lives, all these situations, all these cultural moments, the sickness, the virus, and everything, to bring us to a place where we are truly only can put our trust in him. We truly only can rely on him, and, and, uh, and our relationship with him will be the strength in which gets us through each and every day. We're singing, Lord, I need you. Yeah. I need you just to get through today. I need you. I can't turn on the social media without being inundated with stuff, negativity, criticism. Lord, I need you. Our economy is so unstable. I need you uh, to provide finances. Lord, I need you more than ever before. So he's shaken us to get us back to the essence, the root, what it means to abide in him, to trust him, to love him, and to experience his Holy Spirit in and through us. And so he's bringing us back to simplicity, a simplicity of an intimate relationship with him. In 2 Corinthians 12, for, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. So we know that in spiritual battles, we're not just waging the war with earthly matters, just using, uh, say, politics to get our way. We're waging a war because it's a spiritual battle and there are principalities and powers and demonic forces that are working and opposing the kingdom. That's really where our battle is. Verse 3, And though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty ambition, I'm sorry, lofty opinion, raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So our desire in the midst of our the turmoil of our country is to walk in that kind of simplicity, to take every captive, uh, take every thought captive and to destroy the arguments of the enemy that would oppress people, keep them in sin and keep them from knowing a loving and abiding relationship with Jesus. So in the midst of this, we're talking about intimacy. We're talking about a uh, walking with the Lord in a manner that would um, glorify him, that would bring, draw us into his presence, and where we would sense and be able to hear his voice on a constant basis. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Many of you know George Washington Carver, the founder of Tuskegee Institute down in South Alabama. In the uh, late 19th century, early 20th century, uh, a lot of the cotton crops, uh, the fields had been used over and over again to grow cotton and exhausted the soil. And then once th- that began to revive, this boll weevil, is it up Alabama that has the statue of boll weevil? Enterprise has the statue of the boll weevil. Yeah, and it wiped out everything that had grown. So George Washington Carver there at the Institute was trying to determine what he could do to help the farmers recreate the soil and to grow a crop that would be steadfast. He liked to God, God call God my creator. Okay, So he wanted to help them, and so he would go out into the woods behind the school, and he at night he would look up the stars, and he'd say, God, my Mr. Creator. He said, why did you make the universe? 
And he listened, and this is what he heard. Little man, that question's too big for you. Try another. The next night, he walked into the woods and prayed, Mr. Creator, why did you make us human beings? He listened, and he heard. Little man, that question is still too big for you. Try another. The third night, he went into the woods, and he prayed, Mr. Creator, why did you make the peanut? And this is what he heard. Little man, that question is just your size. You listen, and I will teach you. And those of you who know the George Washington Carver story, he invented 300 different ways to use the peanut. And many of us, you know, use a peanut butter sandwich. You can always say George Washington Carver as you look at the jar, okay? So his insights he attributes to the Lord himself giving words of insight and words of wisdom to help him as a scientist to be able to uh, bring in the peanut to restore the exhausted soil and to make a cash crop for the South so it would not be so dependent on cotton. And so we have that kind of reliance and that kind of sensitivity to the work of the Spirit. And let's turn to John 10. We'll start with verse 3. John 10, verse 3. And we'll start with the middle part of the verse. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. And then skip over to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So we see from just this verse alone, and we could look at numerous verses, that the Lord is telling us that as soon as we come to faith in Christ, our hearts are transformed by the Spirit and we're born from above. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and as a result, we hear His voice, and He calls us by name. Therefore, we can have an intimate, ongoing relationship with the Lord. Okay. Let me uh, define something real quick. Hearing God comes forth from a life of prayer. A life of prayer, it's good to have solitude. It's good to have times alone, your office or maybe outside on the porch or at the lake or wherever you enjoy there's also a prayer where you're constantly praying throughout the day. Where Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you're in a closet all day not doing anything. What he means is throughout all your work and all your interchanges and all that you do, you're crying out in your heart to the Lord, Lord, I need you. I'm dependent on you. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to hear your voice. So we're going to say prayer is an ongoing dialogue a real and intimate relationship with Jesus. It's a conversation between Jesus and us, our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father, and us, His beloved children. So the point to take away from that definition is to say, hearing God starts with prayer. It's an ongoing dialogue. It's not just a one-way street. It's the Lord speaking to us, the Heavenly Father, by, through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, 
leading and directing us, and it's done in a loving relationship as if a father to a child. So we can expect that when we pray, we're being heard by our Father because he's made this promise to ask, seek, and knock. And then we can expect to be spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Our conversation with the Lord can involve sharing, asking questions, asking for clarification, responding to his Lordship and his leading. This kind of dependent prayer opens our hearts to his presence It opens our ears to his direction. It opens our minds to his will. It opens our spirit up to understand our deep, loving relationship with him. So this kind of prayer, this ongoing abiding, affects our hearts in his presence, our ears to hear his direction, our minds to know his will, our spirit to experience his great love. And as this ongoing relationship is, is happening and we're experiencing his presence and being led by the Spirit, we're sensing constantly that it's a work of grace. That even with all our flaws and even with our struggles and even with our uh, failures, the Lord is patient, he's kind, he's loving, and he's leading us by his grace. In my early days in the charismatic Pentecostal movement, Hearing God was taught almost as if, if you don't get it the first time, God's not going to tell you again. Or it was taught almost as if it was a cat and mouse game. You've got to figure it out, but God, you know, like you start to figure it out and he pulls it away, you know. And uh, this is not the New Testament relationship at all. It's an ongoing, gracious, loving relationship where he's constantly leading and guiding us, constantly speaking to us so that he knows we have dull hearers. We know sometimes he, we have uh, insensitive hearts. He knows sometimes that we're caught up in our selfishness, yet he keeps wooing. He keeps coming. He keeps calling. He keeps loving. Okay? He knows that you have emotionally hard times. I mean, how many of us have had uh, the, uh, the death of a close, to one, uh, close to maybe a relative or friend, and you just feel numb for a while as you're dealing with the grief of how you feel? Don't feel guilty that you're having a hard time sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit or sensing his direction. This is part of what it means to be human. The Lord knows that weakness, that struggle that we have. Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus, even though, even though he knew he would raise him from the dead. He's sensitive to the, our emotional needs and where we're at, and he'll continue to lead, continue to guide, continue to sweetly call us. There was a, um, a contractor. He was well-known in New York. This would be early 1900s. This is when New York is starting to take off, and all these uh, skyscrapers are starting to be built. And they built this large building in downtown New York, and they noticed that uh, it was constantly vibrating. You know? Like it was insecure, the foundation was right, or something was wrong. So they called in this engineer who was very well known, who was expensive, and the engineer comes to the building and starts to do a, you know, a, a, a appraisal or a review of the building and see what was going on. He, starts, he walk, goes up the steps, goes up the floors, goes through the basement, and he feels guilty. Because he's a Christian, and he feels guilty because he's examined this building very and inspected it very thoroughly, and he can't find anything that's causing the problem. 
So he stands against this pole and he starts leaning on it. And he's talking with some of the other engineers. And to himself, he says, Lord, I'm in over my head. I, I can't figure out what the problem is. Now, the beam he was leaning on went through the entire building, but he had inspected it earlier and didn't think that was the problem. But he's saying under his breath, Lord, I need insight. You know, they're paying me all this money to fix this issue, and I can't figure it out. And the word of the Lord to him was, you. And he thought, you, what does that mean, you, you know? And he felt like it was you as in where you're standing, you. So he's leaning on that pole that goes through the building again. And he thought, I inspected this before. I'll look at it again. And he kneeled down. And the moment he kneeled down, he saw the problem. The Lord directed him and led him in his engineering skills. He had all the training, he had all the education that he needed, and that's a good thing. But he came up to a limit of his human understanding, and the Lord led him to see the problem just by saying you. The Lord wants to encourage us. These things obviously don't happen every single day with every single problem we face. But oftentimes, as we're dependent on him in prayer, and we're having this ongoing conversation with him, the Lord will lead us and speak to us. I mean, the, the gifts of the Spirit, that's part of what they do. There's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy. Leading of the Holy Spirit will help us to get insights and help in the midst of our struggles. And realize that, again, he's going to speak to us over and over again. It may not just come in the one-time moment, just like it did for that engineer. He needed it at that very moment. But the Lord will keep leading and keep speaking. So we give us three basic, just very basics about hearing the Lord. Now, as I mentioned in my email, that the, uh, as a pastor, I've seen a lot of people abuse the idea of God spoke to me and, you know, and all they're doing is putting God spoke to me on the desire of something they wanted to do anyway, you know, or something that's not really very godly but they want to do it anyway, and I want people to argue with them, so they said, God told me to do it, you know. So you have to be careful with these things and not abuse that idea. Take something that's sweet and that the Lord uh, is um, working in our hearts and lives and allow the enemy to abuse that. But there's a temptation, especially as a pastor, I've seen it so much, I just want to push it away, just say, forget about this. But it's obvious in Scripture, this is obviously the way he would speak to Abraham. Enoch, walk with God. You think that feels like? It's just that simple phrase in Genesis. Enoch walked with God and the Lord took him up. But that sweetness of the Spirit that he must have walked in in intimacy with the Lord. You know, The kind of intimacy that, the, that, that Paul must have felt with the Lord, with the insights that he had and the way that he wrote. I learned this week that it took probably almost the equivalent of modern money, almost $2,000 to write a letter. So when he wrote the letter to Romans, there was a good possibility in modern money that ran him about $2,000. Because you're writing and rewriting, you're hiring someone, you're dictating, and you're hiring someone and they're writing it. And you're probably correcting it and then rewriting it. The parchments and the ink and hiring the writer and the time would have run, would have been very expensive for the ancient world. 
So he's, as he's dictating, he's being led by the Spirit to give us insights that we were never dreamed on our own. And so this kind of relationship is the kind of relationship the Lord wants us to lead us into in him. So first of all, when you hear the Lord and you're being directed by the Spirit, he's always going to speak to you to be involved in ministry of some sort. It may not be a formal ministry. It might not be a titled ministry. But he'll always be leading you to reach out to someone to serve and to share with them Christ. He will never lead you not to be in church, not to be involved in corporate worship, not to be dedicated to a church family. Now, you may be in transition with where you feel like the Lord's leading you, but he's always going to lead you. He's not going to lead you to be isolated. Okay? He's going to always lead you into relationships, those for us who might be tempted to be introverts. And especially when we're struggling, pull back. Lord's always going to lead. Usually what you'll find is if my weakness is to withdraw, if it's the, and I feel like the Lord speaks to me saying to get involved with people, it probably is the Lord. Okay, He's going to speak to me to challenge me in my weaknesses to trust him with my flaws. Okay. If my, I had a friend who could not not be with people, okay, it just like uh, being alone and not hearing people's voices freak them out. Okay. So the Lord was constantly challenging them through the Holy Spirit have a quiet time with me, be with me. Uh, that would be the Lord. You know, He's challenging us in our weaknesses and our struggles. So we have a, each of us have an individual relationship with the Lord, but we're not individualists. In other words, we're, it's just not me and my Bible and the Lord. It's me and the church and my friends and my family and the Lord. Okay. Oh, keep in mind, I'm going through a course online on the book of Ephesians with the Bible Project and working through it. And we're in chapter 5 now. And one of the things that struck me, that you, that you, in Ephesians, you've constantly got to remind yourself that every time Paul says you, in Greek, it's y'all. So let me Christ dwell in y'all's hearts by faith. And Colossians was written at the same time. Christ in y'all, the hope of glory. So for me and you to have a full experience of an intimate relationship with the Lord, it means me being with people, with other believers. And so there's a temptation when we hear the Lord to go into a very individualistic thing and have blind spots that we don't see. And we're, we're going along with the spirit of the age instead of people having people being able to challenge us. Hey, wait a minute. Before you go along with that, is that consistent with the Word of God? We need relationships to challenge us. That's the second point. First, we are engaged in per always be engaged in personal ministry. We'll be engaged in relationships or in church life. We'd always the Holy Spirit will always lead you to participate in the sacraments or take of the Lord's Supper. Number two, He will never uh, related to that. He will never lead us to cocoon ourselves and separate us uh, from other people, becoming isolated from important relationships in the church and with people. There's times when we're going through a hard time, we might be offended, and our first response in being offended is to cut people off, and the Holy Spirit would never lead us to do that. And last, uh, the Holy Spirit, when He leads us, He will always lead us into an in, into. Uh, he will never. I'm sorry. 
when the Holy Spirit leads us, he will not, never contradict his own word. Okay? Holy Spirit will not contradict himself. Okay? So if you have, want an intimate relationship with the Lord, part of that is knowing the word and coming to know it. And that doesn't mean everybody has to have a Ph.D. in biblical studies. Okay, have this perfect knowledge of the Old and New Testament. What it does mean, though, is I'm spending consistent time in the Word, growing in my understanding of it, so that as I face a life decision, I can know how to respond. I'm prepared myself. I may not be going through suffering right now, but as I spend time in the Word, studying, say, the theme of suffering, we will listen to a talk on what does the Bible teach about walking with God through pain and suffering. Then when that suffering happens, I can hear his voice more clearly because I already have all the scripture verses already lined up in my heart of how I'm supposed to respond and how I'm supposed to trust the Lord. Okay, so that's just three basics just starting out. So uh, one, you'll be always engaged in ministry. Two, you'll never be led to isolate yourself. Three, when the Holy Spirit leads you, it will never contradict Scripture. Okay? And then we uh, I want to get back to that f first theme. God always talks to us in conversation. The Lord's more concerned about a relationship with you than He is about you getting from A to B. Okay? We want Especially for many of you young people, you're wanting right now, I want to know everything that I've got to do. I want to know my major, then I want to know when I'm going to get married, I want to know what my career is going to be, I want, I'm making all these future decisions, and I want it all laid out, and I want God to tell me. Okay. Well, often what God will do is he'll just have you enroll where you feel like this is the best place and then once you get there, then you'll kind of flesh that out, figure out what your major will be, and then you'll flesh that out to see where you belong as far as uh, work or ministry. It's a step-by-step -step process. Why? Because the Lord wants to keep you close. If he just tells us the future, we just go about our future without being engaged in him. I'm just fulfilling what you told me. Okay. But if he's just leading me step-by-step, -step, I'm absolutely dependent on him, and I'm getting to know him. So don't be surprised, especially for those of you who are younger and you're making life decisions. It's going to be a step-by-step -step growth process. And the Lord probably will not give you this long-range picture. Occasionally do. You'll read Christian biographies where people seem to know from the beginning all they're going to do. Those, those are the exceptions, not the rule. And the Lord will lead you step-by-step, -step, wooing you by his personal presence, wanting an ongoing personal relationship with you. So Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Just a very simple verse, but Galatians 5.25 has helped me a lot. If I want to live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul's saying the word is peripateo or walk. If I want to walk in the Spirit and have an intimate relationship with Him and enjoy His personal presence, and have a conversation with him, I'm going to keep in step with him. In other words, it's a step-by-step -step process of hearing him, knowing him, experiencing him, trusting him. Okay, So it's a step-by-step, -step, as we walk with the Lord, be a step-by-step -step process of having a relationship, a conversational relationship with him. Number two, very quickly, God wants us to walk in his personal presence. We've talked about this a good bit, but if he's 
if we want to keep in step with the Spirit, we want to walk in the Spirit. So my goal uh, is, Lord, today, I'm dependent on you. I need you. Your grace is sufficient in my weakness. Jesus, you live in me. Lord, I want to walk in your presence and enjoy the sweetness of you today. Okay. I work in retail, and it's very easy to get angry. Okay. We're doing a partial reopening, and I'm not sure what that means other than that we're uh, uh, getting, it's not a, it's a partial in the matter of responsibility and people we're dealing with. Okay. And when, yesterday, one of my fellow employees said, I don't know if I can do the, I mean, I've gotten yelled at so much in a row, I don't know what to do. It's just at a loss. You know, there's just so much demand. Okay. And I know sometimes it's hard in that situation. I found myself just getting overheated yesterday. We were loading so many TVs into the cars. It was curbside pickup thing. And I just happened to, and I was, my mind was just running like, oh man, I just don't, I'm a, you start to get angry. You start complaining in your head, start getting frustrated. And just happened to remind myself, walk in the spirit, be dependent on the Lord, rely on his presence. He will help you at this very moment to walk through this difficulty and he can be there. So he's going, we're going to walk. We're going to hear, have a conversational relationship with him. And we're going to let him speak and gu- direct and guide us. Then we're going to walk in his personal presence, walking by the Spirit, keeping in step by the Spirit. And then when he speaks to us, God's going to woo us by an inward call. Uh, you know, someone on a day like today, someone I remember and cherish is Dr. J. And I remember how those of you who knew him, he just had such a he was such an intercessor and a great uh, gift from the Lord and a great friend. And he had a tendency to be able to just like hear the audible voice of the Lord. It would just astound me, you know, constantly. Uh, the Lord was speaking to him, leading and guiding, directing him. And I would kind of like feel guilty because I wouldn't be feeling all, sensing all these, this sense of audible call, audible voice all the time. But what I found, at least in my own uh, uh, walk with the Lord, that what the Holy Spirit does is he tends to speak by not being overbearing, but by wooing by leading, by checking. So if you're walking with the Lord and you love him, your desire is to please him, the answer is go. The answer is yes, until you hear the Holy Spirit say no. Or he checks your spirit, or he says, not quite yet, but maybe. Okay? We tend to be all or nothing. I want this tension. I want this fear. I want this anxiety to go away. So, Lord, just tell me, and I'll just do it. And oftentimes what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll lead us in the situation and he's guiding us and he's saying, trust me, wait on me, do this part. We have a tendency to throw the baby out with bathwater. I don't want this anymore. I'll throw it out. But the Holy Spirit says, stay in it right now. I'm going to woo you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to lead you. Remember Jesus said, I didn't leave you as, uh, you're not my slave. You're my friend in John 15. I'm going to lead you as a friend. So God's voice will be an inward drawing, a little prodding, often a wooing, a sense in your spirit that something doesn't seem right. Or a wooing or from the Lord, go do this. Yes, do this. Yes, follow me. Yes, trust me. 
Uh, Dallas Willard has a wonderful book. I meant to bring it tonight. It's just called Hearing God. It's the best of the books that I've come across. He was a philosopher, a professor at University of Southern California and spent the last half of his life doing teaching ministry with Richard Foster in the ministry called Renovare, if you've heard of that. And he called hearing God a God characteristic, God characteristic characteristic type of thought. In other words, it's something that seems to come outside of you. It's not something you normally would have thought of. It's something that seems to have an eternal uh, sense about it. Okay, So that would be the leading and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm going to skip a little bit and just sum up with this. That when you have a desire to walk with the Lord and to hear His voice, God's going to create within you a burning heart to want to hear and obey. Uh, A.W. Tozier's book, uh, Pursuit of God, is my favorite all-time book. He says in The Pursuit of God, to, found, to have found God and still pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by too easily satisfied religious, religious, the religious, but justified and happy experience by the children of the burning heart. In other words, to pursue the Lord, to live in a love relationship with Him, those who are into religion would never understand it. But those who have understood the sweet experience of abiding in Him and being led by a Spirit, it's just a beautiful thing. And it creates within them, this phrase has been used over and over again by different ministries, children of the burning heart. You have this burning hunger to want to have an intimate relationship with Him, to be led by Him, to talk to Him, to hear His voice. You have those garden-type moments of intimacy with Him. So when, when the Lord speaks, real quick, one, God's voice sounds, uh, often sounds like a human voice, but will have a sense of eternity, a sense of wooing from the Holy Spirit. Two, uh, God's voice may be hindering it may be hindered in your, uh, in your life by unrepentant sin. So if you're having a struggle knowing what uh, the Lord's speaking to you, now it could be an audible voice, it could be just be a wooing of the Holy Spirit. First thing you want to do is, Lord, is there something in my heart and life that's hindering you from being able to speak to me? And I have, you know, it's hard to hear him next when I've said no the last time he spoke to me. Number three, God's voice can be corrective. It can be re rebuking, but it will always be filled with grace. You want to see how God's uh, voice speaks. Go to Revelation. Read chapters 2 and 3 about the seven churches of Asia. Read the seven prophecies he gives the seven churches. That's how the Lord speaks. Five of those churches are rebuked or corrected, but they're always encouraged and filled with grace. And that's the, oftentimes the way that the Lord will speak to us. So just keep mindful of those things. And let the Lord's voice just become a, a sweet place within your heart. A sweet desire to be filled with, uh, have an intimate relationship with Him. To know that no matter what you're going through, wherever you are, He's not left you alone. His presence is there with you, His Holy Spirit. He's ready to lead God and direct you. Let's pray. Father, help us to be children of the burning heart, just a people today who would be filled with your love and a desire to walk with you, to enjoy sweet intimacy with you, and to abide in you and trust you moment by moment, no matter where we are or what we're doing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for joining us this week. Hope to see you next time.